Yo, what up everybody? Welcome to the Inside Scoop on Mental Health with Bracken Lovell and Brandon Paxton, where we discuss mental health and focus on changing the stigma associated with mental illness. Remember, we're not professionals, but we do care about making a difference. We're here to give you the inside perspective from those living with mental health-related concerns. Please reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook with any questions, concerns, or suggestions for the show. And please don't ever hesitate to reach out and ask somebody for help if you're struggling, and that includes us. Enjoy this week's episode of the Inside Scoop on Mental Health. All right, everybody. Today we've got a great episode. We've got our good friend Brayden. Both Bracken and I know him very well, and we've had some good times with him, and he's willing to share his story with us today. So, Braden, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, what's going on in your life right now. All right, so like Brandon said, I'm, I'm Braden Hudson. Um, I live in Bountiful. I grew up here. Um, 23 years old, served a mission with uh, Bracken, Brandon here in the Czech Republic for two years. Um, had a lot of good experiences with them, so I'm happy to happy to be here and hopefully share some cool insights on on mental health. Um, I right now what's going on? I'm going to school at Weaver State. My wife is uh, going to Utah State. She's doing elementary education, and um, I'm doing kind of pre med uh, course. Um, I'm going to chiropractic school next fall. Uh, we're moving to Iowa um, next summer, so we're looking forward to that. I'm just working for a spine surgeon right now, and um, just doing life, going to work and doing the grind. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I know you work really well with people. You're easy to talk to and your patients love you. So uh, I think that's a good field for you to go into. And that's kind of why we wanted you here on the podcast. Cause like I said, you're easy to talk to you. You tell stories really well. And so we're excited to hear your story. Um, just with your line of work, I guess to jump right into things, I kind of was interested in the mental health aspect of injuries, just physical injuries. You know, you work at Spinal Rehab Place, and uh, I wanted to see how your patients are affected by their physical injuries in a mental way. Do they? Do you ever see them mentally struggling as they go through this physical pain or this physical illness, whatever they may be struggling with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We we actually I was talking about this just I think. Mean, Yesterday, maybe the day before, with one of the uh, physician assistants that I work with, we have two sides of the clinic. One is just spine surgery, and the other one's kind of pain management. So we're um, prescribing a lot of opioids and, and things for for those just kind of managing their pain. And then we're doing surgery and injections on another side. Um, but the the thing I was talking about with the PA was um, apparently there's a there's a study in the New England Journal of Medicine that if a patient is not if a patient is in any sort of litigation, there's some sort of mental block that happens that allows that it, it that patient won't get any better physically because they're in some sort of litigation. Maybe it was a motor vehicle accident or some sort of uh, accident. They're you know they're having they're meeting with attorneys and things. Um, and I think that goes right along with mental health. I mean, when when you're dealing with legal and stress and things, your, your body isn't necessarily going to heal the best the best way that it could if they weren't um and a lot of what we deal with is patients coming in and they they don't always want to you know do the work to get better we kind of live in a society nowadays where 
we just want to show up, you know, get a magic pill, get a magic whatever, and just get better. We don't want to do the work. Um, a lot of people could get better with just simple exercises, stretching, um, just little things like that, but they just want the pill. And so it comes down to they, they're not believing they're getting better. They're just taking the pill to mask the pain. They're not achieving any sort of, you know, ability. They're not regaining any ability. They're just masking the pain because they don't have any sort of mental belief or capacity to believe that they can get better. So without the belief of getting better, their physical health won't, you know, it's not going to start to compete. It's not going to compete with each other. So it's, it's definitely, definitely a huge aspect of physical health and mental health. They go hand in hand, 100%. That's super interesting. I never really thought about it that way. I mean, I 100% agree with you on the fact that, you know, you're not really ever, you're not really ever going to get better if you don't believe you're going to get better. Um, and yeah. I'm curious, it's kind of ironic that you bring that up right now because we're in a lot of political turmoil. Um, do you see that affecting patients at all? Or are you not really in a position where you can see that? I I mean, it, it's hard to, you know, definitely narrow it down to exactly, okay, this, because of the political chaos or whatever, this patient's not getting better. But I mean, it, there's definitely, I feel like an overall stress in the air. I mean, every day, I, I feel even more stressed as, you know, again, on social media, see the news and things. Um, but definitely right now, amidst the political chaos, I, I think that just, it adds just another level of stress on people, which could definitely, definitely affect their physical health and, um, and how fast they're healing, how quickly they're healing for sure. And a, and a follow-up with that, are, are you noticing that people are struggling to go to like PT um, and, and heal on their own where they're not able to leave their house as much? Yeah. I, there's people who, I mean, we, the cancellations between now, even in Utah here, Governor Herbert, you know, he, he mandated a statewide kind of quarantine kind of thing. And just in the last week or so, like our, I feel like our production network has just like slowed immensely. Patients aren't coming anymore, which means they're not going to, they're not really progressing anymore. They're not going to go to PT. Um, we have, we have a hard time getting people to PT anyways, just because it's hard. Cause it, <laughs> it takes, you know, effort on a person's, you know, it takes time away to do stretches. It's not very fun either. It's kind of painful sometimes. No, people, <laughs> yeah. People, people hate it. Yeah. If they're, if they're recovering from an injury, they're definitely, they hate PT, but it's just, it's crazy. Just the, the, the stigma around medicine, modern medicine is just, it's, it's not very effective. You know, pills aren't the best way to fix people. It's the hard thing. And I think with mental health, like doing the hard things is what makes our mental health better. But that's the thing we don't want to do, obviously, because it's hard. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's so prevalent in society today. And 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 we are I think it's changing. In my own from my own perspective, I think it's something that definitely is changing. I mean, right now I work at an integrated clinic where they actually prescribe mental health treatment and I think it's awesome. Um but it is something that we're still working to overcome and um kind of switching that over in a different direction. How do you see that play out in your own life? You're you're extremely busy. Like you have classes, you just got married you um, are going to chiropractic school, you have extra things going on, plus you work full time. So how do you stay on top of those things and stay mentally fit? Something that I've kind of found for myself is, and I'm sure there's scientific evidence, I think I've been told it before, but um, just finding time to do, you know, exercises. I've been going to the gym with my brothers um, every morning, 
4, 4.45, 5 a.m. We head over to the gym together. And the today I didn't go to the gym. And today it kind of sucked. Today was kind of a rough day for me. It was a busy day at work. And um, I felt more tired even. So I think a, a big impact on my mental health is just staying physically active. Um, and, of course, there's there's things like spiritual, spiritual things that I'll do. Praying and um, reading scriptures is going to definitely give me some some extra strength when I need it. Um, but I think productivity is trying to stay stay as productive as I can um, without overstressing myself is, is kind of, you know, I don't know, given maybe it makes it easier to be happy, makes it easier to be grateful when you're doing those things. And I'm definitely not perfect by any means. I mean, there's days where I don't feel so good or I don't want to get up. I don't want to do things, but the days that I, that I really strive and, and do the, the physical, you know, exercises and the spiritual exercises over the days that my mental health is definitely, you know, at its peak. Yeah, that's awesome. You definitely got to do those small things every day that really build your resilience against these things that can bring your mental health down. Uh, I think that's really interesting. You also mentioned that you're going to the gym with your brothers. I forgot to mention to our listeners that we had Braden's brother on here earlier on this podcast. His name was James. And his episode is called Finding Your Worth in the Darkest Times. So go look that up. Listen to his story. And that's why we brought, we brought Braden on here today is because we wanted to hear kind of the, the other side of that story. It was an incredibly interesting, insightful awesome story so now we want to hear Braden's side but as you heard he's really close with his brothers he's a hard worker and he's got a lot to share with us so Braden, why don't you go into a little bit of your family situation how your yeah. life was as a kid and kind of <laughs> for sure the same side that James shared with us yeah so um my sim I listened to some of James's story today just to kind of get an idea um of what he said and we, I mean, we have different perspectives, you know, people in the same family can go through the exact same thing where they're going to come out with whole, you know, a whole different side, a whole different narrative of what they went through. But, uh, I, my mom passed away when I was three years old, um, similar to James, his, his dad passed away and he was about five or so. And, um, she, she was really sick. My, I, I don't know exactly what the illness was. She was unable to accept nutrients. Her body was just kind of given up. Um, she got really skinny and kind of just passed away one day. Um, and before I was born, my mom and my dad, they had two twins that are, uh, they would be just below my oldest brother. Um, and they passed away as well. And so I think those two things really affected my dad. My dad, he, my brother, sorry, if you haven't listened to my brother's podcast, maybe I, I should refer, I should be more specific, but. Um, my dad struggles with mental illness just as well as my stepmom. My my dad married a lady about when I was four, so just a year after my mom passed. Um, and they they both really struggled with mental health. I obviously at the time as a kid I didn't understand what they were going through. I didn't understand they were having struggles with, with mental health. I even now it's it's hard to look back and see. But um, that definitely had a hit, an impact on my childhood and with my siblings. There's seven of us in total. Um, I have two little sisters, so we have uh, see, I have a half sister, two step sisters. James is my step brother, and then I have three real brothers. Um, but I mean, growing up, they're all just family. You know, we don't really separate them in any sort of way. Um, but we we are a poor family. 
you know, having that many kids is tough. We lived in a small house in Salt Lake and we didn't have much, you know, we're Bishop Storehouse family. Um, went had tons of Bishop Storehouse food and jeans and all sorts of stuff. You know, food wasn't necessarily something that we had all the time. Um, there's, there's tons of times we'd go to bed without food, tons of times as far as I can remember. Um, and, and my, my stepmom was really abusive. My dad was as well. Um, he was more abusive towards my, my brother, James, my stepmom was especially abusive. To, you know, it was pretty equally distributed among the kids. Um, but one of her, uh, I guess, punishments for things was lack of food. So if maybe if you were caught lying, you wouldn't get dinner that day. Or if you were, you know, if there's any, some sort of thing you did during the day that was in her eyes wrong, then you weren't going to get a certain meal, which at the time was like when you're growing up and you see that you're just like, yeah, that's a normal punishment. <laughs> that's a normal punishment. You don't realize like that's straight up child abuse. Like that's, that's definitely not what a, what a mom should do and what a mom should hang over their child. Um, and so there's, there's many forms of abuse. One being, I guess one, that was one of them, you know, not getting enough food and physical abuse as well. There's, I, I didn't, there's a lot I don't necessarily remember. I think our brains and bodies are really crazy and can block out traumatic experiences in our lives. And in order to kind of re recollect, you'll have to, you know, work it out. And um, that's actually interesting uh, that you bring that about up. It. Have, so those instances as a child that you have tried to subconsciously block out of your memory, do you see that kind of coming back as you get older? Do you remember things as life goes on that you didn't remember earlier in life? I, I, I definitely do, you know, remember some things now as I get older and, and as I'm looking back, but more so I remember when one of my siblings tells me a story or like, you know, bring something up that really triggers my memory because the memories are there. I just maybe suppress them down. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. And it's not, it's definitely not intentional, but uh, like, for example, this happened probably, you know, not too long ago, my, my sister and my brother were talking and they're, they're kind of talking quiet. Like they didn't really want me to hear, but I guess there was an instance where my mom, I had done something wrong, obviously had been sent to my room and she had hog tied me with duct tape, you know, kind of with your hands and your feet kind of, and I'm laying on my stomach and she was like taking pictures, sending it to like her, her sisters, my aunts and uncles and like laughing about it. Like it was funny or something. And obviously my aunts and uncles were like, okay, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> like, why are you sending me this? Um, but just things like that, like that's a traumatic right. experience. That I probably would have remembered. Right. But I just somehow subconsciously just suppressed it. And all it took was like, Oh, my sister to mention it to me. And then I, you know, I have a vivid memory of, you know, I was laying on the bed here. I was facing the door, you know, and just kind of things like that. So yeah, definitely it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a process, you know, going through something like that is, it's not like a one time you go to therapy for two times a week for six weeks and you're, you're going to be fixed, right? It's going to be a lifelong, you know, work through, you know, daily things that you're going to have to do um, to just stay on top, stay, stay positive with things. And I, I definitely don't feel like I don't wake up and feel like a victim. I don't feel like, Oh, I went through such horrible, horrible abuse as a kid. My life is so bad. All this stuff. Like I just wake up just regular. <laughs> I have things to do. I have goals. I have ambitions. I have, 
a life to live. Um, and so, but with that said, our, our bodies aren't perfect. And so I am going to have days, you know, where maybe that does affect me. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I can, you know, be positive and get through days normally. I'd say 95% of the time. I don't, I don't ever, I don't feel like a victim at all. I feel, feel happy every day. I think that Brandon and I can both second that. It's actually incredible to me how mentally, if you mentally stable, if you will, you are, and it's great. Like you have this incredible mental strength, um, which which is interesting to me. And and I want to know where does that come from, because you mentioned that you kind of just thought this was a normalcy. Maybe that has something to do with it, but you know. I, I I have this feeling that it's something deeper, you know, where does that come from that you don't want to be a victim that you want to get up every day and, you know, right. Cause how easy is it just to day? be like, Oh, I went through all this. This is a horrible thing for me. My life sucks just to go off of what Bracken's saying. You know, most people would fall into that trap, but we see that you don't fall into that. Yeah, I think I, and you know, I think it's just an in, intrinsic desire to, to have success in life. I think, I think that it's honestly like a, a huge, it's definitely a huge blessing. It's God given for sure. Um, but it's definitely not, it's not just given. And then you have it. It's not every day I wake up and just like, Oh, yep. Just the way I am. I, I want to be successful. I want to get up and do things. It's a, it's a process that take definitely took time. There's times in my life, you know, and I remember my sophomore year of high school, I just kind of gave up. Feel like I kind of gave in to the victim mentality. I was just like, you know, I live with my dad in this tiny apartment. It smells dirty. There's dog hairs, dog poop all over the floor, and like, what's the point of getting up? You know, my life is destined to be bad. And these are thoughts that I was having as a 15, 16 year old kid. Um, and I, I definitely, it was it wasn't easy, but every day I kind of just felt like felt kind of lost and you know I felt pretty pretty hopeless at that time in my life but the one I don't, I don't it's not it's not one thing that kept me going but it's just uh it's something that definitely helped um is the gospel for sure my brother was a, a big motivator for me um just uh because my brother and my oldest brother went through the same thing and he he was able to turn around you know he had a he was able to create a great life for him. Um, and I was able to see that. I saw that every day. I saw I was able to speak to him and talk to him. And I had his, his example with me. Um, sorry, it's stupid, stupid to cry sometimes. But <laughs> I think his example and uh, his example was there for me. And I was blessed with a lot of, I call them like surrogate moms, moms around to help me. Um, but even with that help, it's a it's an internal struggle every day. There's there's things I I I fought every day that year. I remember I, I quit football that year, and and so what I did instead is I put all my efforts into something positive. Um, I played lacrosse, so I I, I practiced every day lacrosse. I stayed active and productive, and I think it's easy when you get you know when you feel depressed and you have those uh, those mental down days. Um, staying productive is like like a like a wonderful wonderful medicine like it's a huge blessing 
And I'm not saying that it fixes everything, um, but being productive and being just training your brain to just think positively, even when you feel so negative, those are the things that that will bring you up. And it, it was slow. I mean, like I, I've mentioned just barely um, that sophomore year was tough, but it, the year after was great. And the year after that was great. And the year after that was great. But that one year was tough, and, and there was times I didn't think I was going to get through it. But just positively thinking, maintaining positive thoughts, um, and just doing little things of productivity were, were major, huge, huge impact in my life. Yeah, it's definitely what you surround yourself with. You know, like you said, in your apartment, with living with your dad, it wasn't necessarily the best environment. It really brought you down. But as soon as you focused on the positive things, you know, surrounding yourself with physical activity with lacrosse with a team with people that you can spend time with um, focusing on the good in life it really changes your surroundings it changes the way you can you can handle those hard situations it, it changes your mental state and that's incredibly interesting that you're able to just do that on your own you know just find those things but also one thing that I wanted to point out is you know you said it's stupid to cry. And I think that a lot of us feel that way. I mean, I do, especially like it, it really stood out to me though, because your brother James brought up the same kind of thing. You know, he used the phrase, um, pseudo strength, you know, like from a young age, he was taught that you have to suppress your feelings that you have to hide when you're sad, hide when you're down, you have to act strong. And that kind of led him through his, through his youth. You know, he just had to act like he was strong and it kind of got him through it. But as he got older, he was realizing that I also kind of got him into some trouble later on because he wasn't opening up, you know, showing what it, what was really going on in his life. And and so I wonder, like, what it was like for you as a kid, if it was that kind of same situation where you, you were taught to hide your feelings, have that false strength, you know, like growing up in the same situation. How What was that like for you? Yeah, I think. I don't necessarily remember 100%, but I, I definitely feel like there was some sort of, you know, idea that if, if you're crying or if you're showing emotion or if you're, you know, if you're expressing how you're feeling, that it doesn't necessarily make you manly or it doesn't make you seem cool. It doesn't make you accepted by your peers. Um, and I... I, I, I don't, I honestly, like I said, there's a lot of things I don't necessarily remember from my childhood. Um, but I do remember James mentioning that in his, in his episode with you guys, um, how my dad had pushed him down and, you know, said, if you can't, if you're crying now, like you, you can't play football. Um, which is just a crazy thing to say to a little kid. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think that was definitely apparent in the home. Um, going off of what James said like I said it's hard for me to hard for me to remember things and I I hope I'm not the only one you know with with traumatic childhood that that goes back and can't remember things like I hope I'm not the only one because it's it's gonna it can be a little you know embarrassing because people ask me questions and um I want to be more helpful and insightful but I don't necessarily remember so it, that's it, that's funny that you say that because when you texted me that this morning, I, I got thinking about it. And so I looked into it a little more because, you know, I can only speak from my own experiences and what I've heard, but um, I wanted to look into it. And, and this actually is a very, very common phenomenon and something called dis, disassociation or dissociation. 
Um, and it, it mainly in our brain, it mainly happens in like the limbic system. And it's kind of like, because we're animals, if you look at it from like an evolutionary perspective, we, it's, it's a way that we protect ourselves, right? So our brain goes into this protection mode and something happens and our brains kind of flip into this gear that's like autopilot. And so I, I picture you going through a lot of this on like autopilot, even though at the time you were probably there doing your best you, that you could, you know, um, your brain switches into this autopilot mode for safety. Um, and that, and then it also remembers, okay, I don't want to feel like this again. So I'm going to put it clear in the back of my mind. And it's actually really hard for therapists to get that out um especially when it's childhood trauma from what i understand which is super interesting and and it's funny uh, you know to 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 answer to your other point i think that it's such a funny thing that we have come around to thinking that in society that it's it's a, it's not a good thing to show your feelings it's not manly it's not tough because it's can be really degrading not to um at times and 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 there's definitely a line just like everything no and um as i get older i i i am able to remember more things like before my mission i um i i still didn't know so you know i go on a mission when i went on my mission i was 18 so even at 17 even going on 18 i still hadn't fully realized what i had been through in my childhood i still didn't realize what i've lived through what what things were wrong or what like what negative things had had happened to me um and then i was able to go on my mission and there was there was times on my mission where i'd talk to my companions or you know just be doing regular activities and kind of think back to my life and i would realize things would come back to me just kind of click back go to the front of my mind be like oh my gosh like this happened this happened like this this shouldn't have happened. I I, I feel dumb about this. I'm, I'm sorry for this, you know. Um, and when I got home from my mission, I I think I developed a ton of resentment towards my parents, towards my towards my dad and my stepmom. Um, and it it wasn't it wasn't even on purpose. It wasn't intentional. But just the things that I realized on my mission, stepping away for two years and just being getting older and more mature, I just the thoughts coming back i was able to just develop this sort of you know resentment towards my father just for the things that he put me through because even now like i'll I'll see someone they're talking about their parents and they're like oh my my dad does this or my mom's the best blah 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 and i'm like great <laughs> my mom's dead and my stepmom's abusive you know like I, I don't know what i don't know how they feel i don't know what they're talking about and even now i'm 23 years old and i I'm, I'm at a better state of mind, a better place now, but I, I still feel even a little bit of jealousy for the others. I feel a little bit of resentment towards my dad. I wasn't able to have a great childhood, a great, you know, environment to live in. And I, I don't speak to my stepmom really ever. I, I haven't spoken to her probably since I got home from my mission, which is about three years ago. And I I don't I don't know why I I don't talk to her. I think it's more because like I I have developed an apathetic attitude. Like she wasn't there for me when I was a kid. She's not there for me now, and I I don't have like a feeling like she was ever my mom, you know. So I don't feel like there's even 
a need for any effort to be put into that relationship. Um, which I think my brothers, my brothers and my siblings think that someday I'll have some sort of emotional breakdown and have some sort of mommy issue problem. Um, but I, I don't think I will. I think that I, I, I just, I just really have no desire. I have no, it doesn't do good. It doesn't do bad for me. It doesn't affect me in any way. Um, and you know, just like I said, as, as I get older, things just start coming back to me, back to me more and more and more. So as those things come back to you, how do you handle those? Cause it's almost like you're going through them all over again without, because you didn't remember them for the last however many years, it's almost like you're, you have to go through it all over again. And it's a whole new thing for you. Every time you remember these things, it's almost like it's brand new. How do you handle those? So not let them negative negatively affect you. Um, I think when they, when they do come back to me, I'm able to, usually it, it comes back in a way where I've been talking to um, my brothers and sisters, mainly my brother Jet and James, who I'm the closest with. I, they're pr- probably the only ones I really talk to and spend time with. But, so when it does come back, I'm, I'm talking with them. And um, just at the time, I'm, I'm just speaking about it with them. And we're just talking about it like it was an event that happened. And I don't, I don't really feel any emotional trauma. I don't feel, you know, like when my sister told me about being hogtied and, you know, taking pictures of, I don't, I don't feel how I felt in that moment. I just feel kind of like, I guess, just like in almost in disbelief, like, like that happened to me. Um, And so maybe I just moved past it. Maybe, maybe I just suppress it again, or maybe I just think, okay, that happened to me. There's nothing I can do now. Like, yeah, that sucked. That was tough. That was wrong. But the only thing I have in front of me now is just to keep going. It doesn't do me really any good to sit back and dwell and feel bad for myself. Um, so I think that I think that's what helps me get through the through the traumas maybe that come back and I have to relive again is just to, to keep moving forward and um, not let it negatively affect me. I love your perspective on that. I think that that's something that like when you go to therapy, you know, you learn these tools to deal with it. It's not like a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist can take your problems away. You know, you mentioned everybody wants to go and take a pill and have it be gone. That's not the way it works. Um, And you have this amazing attitude of, well, I like, I have to deal with it. There's no, there's, you know, there's no getting around it. So that's such a, a fascinating thing that you have almost innately, it seems like. So props to you for that. With that, though, I know in high school you had some really close friends. Um, you had some really close relationships. And I know you're really close, especially with one family. Um, and I'll let you talk about that. But what did that do for you? That was, that was a game changer. I Seriously, I... They're the low. They're, they're they're a family. My I'm best friends with their son Tyler. But when I was 16, they I there was a situation where I crashed my car. My dad had moved kind of far away from the high school. It was my senior year, so I wanted to continue going to the high school I was at. Um, and so they just let me live with them. They took me in, and it was it's such is a pivotal time in my life to see how a normal family functioning unit is supposed to be 
Um, and to feel love, like from a mom, you know, have three meals a day, you know, have someone worry about me and text me, Hey, where are you? You know, what's going on? Like the effect that that had that the family, the low family had on taking me in is like, it's the big, one of the biggest blessings that I've, that I've had in my life, hands down. Um, just having someone there and reaching out and giving you a helping hand when you didn't even realize you needed that much help is like, it's, you can't repay it. It's unrepayable. Having that experience, having somebody there for you in your hard time, how does that make you more empathetic for others that you see struggling? Does that, does that kind of bring you back to those times where like, Holy cow, I know what it's like to have somebody be there when I'm struggling. Yeah, I think, I think it would be almost disrespectful if I didn't gain some sort of empathy It'd be kind of like a slap in the face to the Heavenly Father, like, oh, you've given me this huge blessing and now I'm not going to return the favor. Um, obviously, I'm not, you know, an established family with, you know, you know, money and, and things to take someone in right now. But I have a, a huge amount of empathy for those who struggle. Um, I also have some other feelings where I think there's things that they could do you know, better for themselves. They could, they could be a little more proactive and self-disciplined. Um, but I, I would hope if I'm ever put, if I ever have a, an opportunity to help someone like someone help me, I, I think, and I'd hope I'd jump on the opportunity 100%, you know, give, give back and, and just change someone's life. My life has been changed 100% for the better. Well, and, and I lived with you for a while down here in St. George and I saw how you kind of do, did that. That's why I asked. I noticed that we worked together at a car wash. And whenever there was somebody that wasn't necessarily like, that didn't fit in, that didn't seem like they had a lot of friends, it seemed like they might have been struggling with something in their life. It seemed like you were always the first one to go up, be like, hey, come play volleyball with us. Hey, come hang out with us. Like, how are you doing? All this kind of stuff. You were always the first one there. And I noticed that, you know. I noticed that every time we, we found somebody that was struggling, you're always the first one there, like, hey, let's invite them to go do this with us. You know, when maybe for me, it, it didn't even cross my mind, you know, and, and I've gotten better with that. And I, I like to think it's because I've seen good examples like you being one of them that reach out to people that sure. could be struggling because you know what it's like to go through that and have somebody to be there for you and help you out. But how, how does that change your life? How does that help your mental state when you go out and help those other people that are struggling? I I think it just gives me a better perspective on maybe on how others are feeling, um, maybe a better sense of, of, of things that I can do to help others around me, which, you know, Jesus Christ said, serve, go out and serve. Like, if you love me, keep my commandments and serve others, love one another. Service is a great way to, to love another person. Um and so I think just having the perspective that, you know, when, and I'm not perfect. I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm perfect and that I just go out and serve and I'm completely empathetic and I, I'm just like a, a, a great person because I'm not, because I'm human and I have lots of, lots of, you know, lots of uh, uh, faults and, and insecurities. You can ask my wife, she would happily attest to that. Um, but I I think just like I said, I mentioned already twice, just having a perspective and, and having some sort of sense that one person can be the difference in another person's day, hour, minute, life, whatever. 
um, but just being willing to serve and and having being having the ability to have empathy and sympathy for another person is just a huge attribute that I I want to have and continue to work on. That's so cool, man. I it, it's interesting from my perspective, and probably Brandon could say the same thing, but because. I, I've seen you do these types of things, just like Brandon was talking about. I, every single person that you're around, you make a better person. And I, I never really understood why. I mean, because also another one of your strengths is how forward you are. You tell people how it is. And some people don't take that well, but you do make everybody feel better, you know, and you make them better. And so that's such an interesting thing. And I don't want to beat a dead horse, but like, is there something you can pinpoint in your life? that made you want to do that oh man i don't know to necessarily pinpoint something i i think just maybe just having an example like i mentioned my brother got emotional about him just because the example that he is like i've never met someone he he's he's a way better person than i am he's he's so caring and so loving and i think having an example someone that's close to you and loving you um gives you better opportunity, gives you a better sense of, of, of how to better help others. Um, and I, I think ultimately learning from other examples, learning from um, people that have helped me has, has really given me that opportunity. Um, I, I would say, yeah, having those good examples of, of service um, and love, love is a big deal. Having that example of love has given me that perspective. So another thing I was kind of curious about a lot of people in your situation would fall into drugs alcohol gangs crime like the list can go on forever there's so many ways that somebody could react to situations that you went through but somehow and you mentioned this a little bit having a good example having the gospel but it's so much harder to come out on that one good path rather than the thousands of bad paths what did it take for you to really decide to get on that good path and, and see all these other things that could be so much easier for you? Like you have so many excuses. You have so many things that happen in your life. It w everybody would see that and be like, oh, it makes sense. Like we can't blame him. But for some reason, you didn't do that. You said no to all those bad things. You, took the, you said, I'm going to make a life for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be successful. I'm going to have everything that I didn't have as a child. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be healthy. What really got you to that point? I ultimately, I think it's it's a it's a God given blessing to to know the difference between right and wrong. Um, I I kind of see things in in black and white. I've noticed, and people have told me that I see things either you know you see the right, you see the wrong. There's not a whole lot of gray area um, in in my perspective. And um, like Bracken said, I'm very forward with people, and I think it comes across as forward, but it just comes across as my natural thinking is I see it this way and <laughs> there's the right way. And whether it, you know, I, I think it's the right way. It may not, it may not always be right, but in my opinion, it's the right way. And then there's the wrong way. Um, and so I, I think God really blessed me. He gave me the ability to see right and wrong. And he also gave you the, the ability to know the consequences of both. Um, Cause I, I, I learned by doing things. It's kind of the way that I learned. And so in, as I'm younger and even now, like I, I do the wrong thing and then I know, you know what, that consequence wasn't so good. I didn't do very well with that, with that situation. So now I know for the future, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pick the right. 
I don't want to live that way. I want, I want this. This is the goal. This is the, this is the vision I have in my mind. Um, and that's what I want. And so I think just being, being able to see the difference between right and wrong is what's given me that ability. Um, and what's given me the strength to build a life, build a productive life and build a, a future that I want that I want for my kids and for my future kids and, and, and that. I love that. You have this incredible ability to see the bigger picture and your faith is incredible. I mean, not a lot of people have that and it's not easy to find. Um, I, so two questions with that. Did you always have that faith? And how can, how can other people find that faith? I definitely didn't always have that faith. Um, like faith in the future. And definitely I didn't always have that faith just in, in Jesus Christ and his ability to change a person. Um, but I think I found, you know, the, the faith that things get better and, and the faith um, that there is a God and that he loves me and cares about me and, and wants me to succeed. Um, I think on my mission, I left on my mission, not knowing a single thing in the world, in the world. I, I hadn't even read the book of Mormon before. Um, and so when I was able and put in a, in a situation and an environment where I was just pushed every day to my limits to, to study and to read, um, in, in that instance, it was to study and read the gospel, but just the environment to be pushed to study and read anything, I think would have been, would have been effective for me. Um, and so just learning to do little baby steps, little tiny things every single day and understanding that if you don't do it a certain day, doesn't mean you failed. You know, you have the next day to do it again and the next day to do it again. You always can start over. There's always another day to do it again. Um, and so little, little baby steps, little things every single day is kind of what builds what builds and strengthens. It's like you go to the gym, you, you, go, you go once, you're not going to come back huge. You go six months, you're going to come back way bigger than you were six months before. It's just like building a muscle. It's the exact same thing. Um, so just little acts of faith, little little things, learning from right and wrong and, and pushing through the tough times. Um, that's what's, I think that's what's given me, given me that faith. It's such wisdom, man. Uh, you just have this wonderful light and strength about you. And I'm not lying or hyping it up when I say that you have this incredible ability to make everybody around you better. And, and it's truly fascinating to me. I learn a lot from watching you. It's been an honor to have you on our podcast as one of our best friends. You know, it's, it, it's cool. Um, you are a light. And I found this quote that I think really sums you up a lot. And it says that success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life, but by the obstacles in which he has overcome. And that's by Booker T. Washington. And, and I see that in you a lot. Um, that makes me think about you a lot because it's, it's truly astounding to me that you are so strong when you had every, you know, I, I say this in quotes, um, but every rhyme or reason to choose a different path. Um, and I respect you so much for that. Thank you so much for being here and for taking the time to talk to us and our listeners. For sure, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, I told my wife I'd shout her out in this. So, Abby, this is me shouting you out. <laughs> she's going to be mad. Hey, and Abby's great. You you should have talked about Abby a little bit more, how she's helped you. I yeah. see how much she's helped you. She's, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. 
Um, I love her so much. She She's the reason that I can get up every day and do the things that I do. Um, and sorry, just if I can add one more thing, just Bracken's quote reminded me of something I read on my mission and it, I think it was a huge turning point in my life. And it was uh, your success both now and in the eternities depends largely on your reaction to the difficulties of life. Um, and that quote is just really powerful to me. It's, it's everything, our success now and forever depends on what we do in the difficult situations. And I think that's something to always remember and live by. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Thanks again, Braden. We loved having you here. We loved hearing your story.